Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Dyer and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, December 29th. For the this last show of 2023, we are looking back, but also looking forward into the new year. And for that, I am joined by Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, Krista Kafer, columnist with the Denver Post, Eric Sonderman, columnist at Colorado Politics and the Denver and Springs Gazettes, and Jesse Paul, political reporter at the Colorado Sun. Now, I went back and looked at this year's show from last year and talk, looked at what we were looking forward to. Okay, so things are different. Denver was getting a new mayor, right, at the time, this time last year. There were 24 candidates at the time, um, and they were not talking about the new mayor tackling homelessness. It was economic development and also crime that we were all talking about that were big issues. We worried about the quality of education because tests were showing that in Colorado, uh, kids were not doing well because of post-pandemic. There was no talk about school safety, and there was no talk about dysfunctional school boards at that time a year ago. When it came to the legislature, we were talking about how Democrats should be careful and not push too many of their ideas forward and work too much with the governor. Well, there was a lot of fighting this past year, right? Um, and we did not know the Democrats would challenge each other. Now, the only topic that is somewhat the same, and Krista, you talked a lot about this on this show last year, was the state of the Republican Party in Colorado and how it had to improve. I'll let you talk about that coming up in this week's show. All right, so right off the bat, looking forward on January the 1st, I would guess a lot of people will be looking at Mayor Mike Johnston and whether he met his goal of reaching 1,000 people being taken off the streets into temporary housing. Well, so his House 1000 initiative, which calls for 1,000 people being housed by the end of 23, incredibly ambitious um, thing. He, of course, did run on that. He made that his biggest platform. And as the campaign continued last year, not in December, but by January, February, we were hearing a lot about homelessness and how people were going to deal with it and whether or not the camping ban should be followed and whether or not people should be housed. So. Mike Johnston made that the major platform of his campaign, and whether that made the difference in him being elected or whether it was just luck of the draw with what turned into 17 candidates on the, following, on the ballot, that is what people are looking for. Will he make good on this first promise? Right now, as we film it, we're not even halfway there, but by the 29th, by this night, he might make it. I doubt it. But I think it'll be how he explains how close he came that will be really critical. He's really trying. His administration is trying, Krista. He is really trying, and this is a laudable goal. But I think it's too early to tell whether it's successful. So we get 1,000 people into housing. Some of those folks are going to take advantage of that. It's going to be a wonderful reset, a chance to have stability, a chance to get, then get a job, to get sober, to get mental health services, to move forward in life. And I have no doubt that a percentage will take advantage of that. Some of those folks, though, are going to continue to be back out on the street, begging, doing drugs, not getting a job, not getting the help that's being being offered. I appreciate what uh, na uh, the neighboring city's mayor, Mike Kaufman, said. Mike Kaufman pointed out that while Johnson laudably is looking at the number of people off the street as being a measure of success, what Mike Kaufman and Aurora is looking at is how many people are off the streets, not merely in ho housing, but are employed and self-sufficient. And so that's why I say t January 1, way too early to decide whether this is a success endeavor we need to see long term are these folks still housed but are they also employed sober 
working and self-sufficient, and right now we have no way of knowing. Mm -hmm. Eric. Well, Chris is absolutely right. I mean, this is just an interim goal at the end of December. Uh, the long-term answer is still out there, and the long-term evaluation is still out there as to Mike Johnston's success. First off, if we didn't talk about homelessness 12 months ago around this table, we were asleep at the switch because it did not just come upon us in 2023, uh, Lord knows. Uh, I think the city, if Mike Johnston comes close to his thousand number but doesn't get there, I think the city will give him some grace. The voters of Denver will give him grace. I will give him grace because it's been certainly a valiant effort. I think the harder one is not the one-year pledge of a thousand or the first-year pledge of a thousand. It's the four-year pledge of being done with homelessness in Denver. And that goes from the ambitious category to the completely unrealistic category. And I think that is going to be a harder judgment and the voters of Denver are going to make a harder judgment on that. I think the other issue, Kyle, is it's sort of the balkanization of the city by Johnston putting so much attention onto this homeless issue. He is sweeping employees from other departments to work on getting to 1,000. He's sweeping money from other departmental budgets to go into this program. And then earlier this month, we obviously had the whole issue of migrants being, you know, of uh, homeless people being kicked out of long-term stay kinds of places to house migrants, which is completely balkanizing the issue and doesn't really move the ball forward. We're gonna be talking about this you can put this one in the bank throughout 2024. And I think like what Patty said was maybe we weren't talking about it because then we were just talking about how many people were in the mayor's race. We weren't really talking about the substance of their campaign, so that probably did come early in the new year. Jesse? I think kind of building off of what Eric had to say, right? I mean, I think it's interesting to look at this as a political goal, uh, what the voters will say. I don't know if the, the voters of Denver care if it's 999 folks who are housed or 1,001 folks who are housed. They really just want to see improvement uh, among their neighbors, see, um, you know, a, a different situation downtown. So whether or not, you know, the mayor gets to this goal, I don't know if it matters too much in the voters. Again, he's got a long time before he has to worry about re-election. Um, but, but again, I think, you know, Eric's the, the, the political strategist has worked on campaigns before, but I think it's dangerous for politicians to make these kind of promises, where, whether it's 1,000 or 1,001. You see the governor make uh, these kind of promises he wants to make Colorado one of the 10 safest states. You open yourself up to a lot of media criticism. Again, tangible effects. How does it affect people's daily lives is different as to whether or not you're trying to, you know, check that box off the list. So um, I think Denver voters will be happy just to see some improvement. Um, whether it's 1,000 or not will be probably for, for folks like us to make that, that determination. Mm -hmm. And just to play a little off what Eric did say, last year at this time we were so concerned about this, the influx of migrants who would come in the early December, the mystery buses, and now we're seeing that again. And the migrant issue clashing with the homelessness issue because there are just limited beds is really making this more complicated. And last year I don't think we realized how bad it was going to get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesse was talking about voters. In 2024, Coloradans will vote three different times. The first one being the March presidential primary, then the June 25th state level primary, and then the general election November the 5th. We will be electing a president, congressional representatives. The list goes on and on. Initiative state level leaders, Krista, this is going to be a big year. Let's go full on crazy. Let's just kick sanity to the curb and go full <laughs> on outrage. And I, you know, I say this because if you're, if it's going to be, you know, what kind of show, you know what word I'm thinking of. 
I, I say let it fly. Let's go full <laughs> on. And I, I'm hoping that the, uh, the Republicans field the craziest candidates. I mean, not just your like Carrie Lake level nut jobs. Uh, of course, I'm referring in that case to uh, the Arizona governor who, uh, governor candidate, never will be governor, who came and spoke for the party. Um, but I, I think, I think demented is, should be really kind of the standard. And, and not just for Republicans. I think the Democrats have taken notice and said, you know what, well, we want that kind of attention as well. We need that kind of press. So we've got Elizabeth Epps, we've got Tim Hernandez. I think, you know, Tay Anderson is thinking he's going to run. Well, the more the better. Love the sarcasm. What was it that Krista was called? A henchman? Democratic henchman. Mm. I'm dressed like a henchman. I'm all in black. <laughs> okay. I need an axe. Eric. Uh, you might be dressed like a henchman. I don't think you're like dressed like a Democrat. No, no reasonable person ever says, Krista Kafer, oh yeah, she's a Democrat. And I guess my comment to Krista would be, be careful what you wish for. But then on the other hand, what Krista sarcastically pointed to is sort of the lay of the land these days. And it's on, it's on both sides of the aisle. Now, that's not an equivalency. One side of the aisle maybe has a worse case of it than the other. But uh, as long as the Elizabeth Epps and Tim Hernandez and on and on and on are out there and gaining prominence and gaining numbers in, in their respective caucuses, um, it is not a pretty land. There are two races that I think are going to dominate this year, leaving the presidential race in Colorado aside. The two races, and they're both going to be primaries, and one may turn into a general, are Congressional District 3, the race to see if Lauren Boebert can hold on to that seat with the odds maybe stacked a bit against her. And then in Congressional District 4, where Ken Buck is stepping aside. Those are going to be lively primaries. Uh, whoever comes out of Congressional District 4 is likely to then win in, uh, in November. If Boebert survives Congressional District 3, that's only half her job. Then she has a viable Democrat. If Jeff Hurd comes out of Congressional District 3, he'll be the new uh, congressperson from the Western Slope and Pueblo. Jesse. Yeah, I'd say I'm going to declare 2024 the year of the interesting primary, right? And so sticking with CD3, I think there's an interesting dynamic that goes on there. You're seeing a lot of establishment Republicans get behind Jeff Hurd um, against Lauren Boebert. I question whether or not those folks have enough uh, mainstay or, or voice in that district in order to push him over the edge. I've talked to folks, he's kind of the uh, anti-Bobert in terms of maybe more subdued, less um, loud and, and, and prominent. So uh, it, it'll be an interesting race there. CD4 certainly interesting. Congressional District 8, really interesting Republican primary on that front. Then you've got the legislative primaries that we've start, started to talk about. And then moving forward to the general election, you know, CD3 will be interesting if it is Boebert. CD8 will still be interesting. Uh, not so, so many legislative races that'll be super fascinating, but a lot of ballot measures that could really change Colorado, whether it's the uh, abortion rights measure, property taxes will be on there. And then there could be a, a complete election over overhaul that, that's debated at the ballot in November 2024. So uh, year of the primary, then maybe ballot measures will be the focus in November. Okay. Patty. Well, unlike Krista, I would dearly love, and I could be a henchman, but I would dearly love not to have the word demented or dementia involved at all in the presidential race. I'd like to see <laughs> candidates where we actually can say these are reasonable human beings we would like to see in the White House for a long time. Uh, other than that, I'm also interested in what's going to happen to people like Ken Buck, Lauren Boebert. What is their next career path? That's going to be fascinating. I mean, Ken Buck, uh, 
the best thing he's done, I think, really in Congress is the way he's leaving it and definitely taking um, no prisoners and who he's talking about. I, who knows what Lauren Boebert will say if and when she is defeated. But the upcoming legislation, uh, the ballot measures, as Jesse says, are going to be unbelievable. Ken Theory's plan, will we go for ranked choice voting? Will we go for these different kind of primaries? People are so fed up with how the elections have been going that they might be willing to really go out on a limb and vote something very new. And I wonder, let's talk about the legislature in the new year. Could there be more bills or ideas that we'll be voting on that we haven't even thought of yet? What do we expect from the legislature this year? Well, I'm sure you can go to the bank on the fact there'll be some stuff out of left field and right field uh, that we haven't been talking about. But I'm going to really quickly tick off, I think, what the four issues of the legislature are, not necessarily in this order. One is property taxes. Yes, the special session addressed them. But people are going to get their property tax bills next February, and they are going to be shocked. They're going to be outraged. They're going to be energized. And the legislature is going to be called upon to act further, and there's going to be ballot issues hanging over the legislature's head if they don't act. Second is going to be the whole housing land use issue where Polis got crosswise with all the local governments, but Polis I don't think is backing off uh, along with plenty of Democratic sponsors of that bill. Third is just what I put under the heading of progressive excess, and I'm not sure what that looks like, but the Epses and Hernandez and really we focus on those two, but there are plenty of others, uh, fellow travelers, that go with them, and they will have some things up their sleeve. And the fourth one is just Jared Polis himself and how he plays his cards with, I mean, who would have ever guessed that Jared Polis, very progressive congressperson from Boulder, Colorado, first gay governor elected in the country, et cetera, has become a moderating influence in his own caucus. But that is the role he's now playing, and it'd be interesting to see how he plays his cards. I want your insight, because you live at the, will be living at the State House during the legislative session. Yeah, I think housing really is, is the bottom line, right? I mean, Democrats kind of declared 2023, the year of housing at the Capitol, and they had almost nothing to show for it. And I think that that's a major failure for their voters, for their own policy goals, and it's something that they're going to have to tackle in 2024. Whether it's land use or property taxes, I think those are both kind of in that housing bucket, or something that we haven't even seen before, right? A lot of the progressive conversation that we are going to see at the Capitol this year will be around housing, whether it's rent control policies or uh, efforts to limit or prevent evictions. I know we're going to see some HOA stuff come up. Um, and, and a lot of these other topics, some of the the gun issues, right? I think that's mostly been a settled issue in recent years. Democrats have kind of had their majority for a while now. They've tackled abortion. It's going to be a constitutional measure on the 24 ballot. Um, so housing is the thing that's really going to be the dividing line, I think, in the, in the Capitol, the thing that's going to really drive folks. Okay. I might add water just as a, as a, a fifth to your, to your points there, Eric, and that is we had a reprieve this year. Um, we had a little bit more snowpack last winter. We have a little more of a reprieve on the general situation with not just the Colorado River, but the other basins and making sure that we have enough water for our cities, which are still growing, also agriculture. I don't know what the legislature can do, but I know it's a perennial problem and it's something we want to get ahead of and not be downriver. And they have this prop, this water task force that they formed. It's been working in the interim to kind of come up with those, uh, those solutions. So that's a very good point. Patty, what are you expecting out of the legislature in the new year? Well, to add to this, we'll also have climate change will still come up. The Excel get, getting rid of coal-fired plants. We'll have the oil and gas fights. There will still be plenty of environmental fights. It won't just be over water. Okay. So all of you are writers. 
So I'm curious, when you're writing, okay, trying to think of the next thing to write, what is the next thing we're not thinking of that you think might be out there in 2024? And I'm going to start with you, Jesse. We might be thinking about this, but I think it's an interesting thing, kind of sticking with the legislative lens. You know, the progressive versus moderate thing at the Capitol is going to be the dominating story of the session, right? Housing might be the policy topic, but I think this political dynamic is really what's going to be set, it up, set up. You've got a new Senate majority leader who's maybe leaning toward pr progressive politics in the Senate, and then you've got now a, a pretty clear dividing line in the Colorado House, and, and, and you're starting to see some factions built there. Again, it's an election year, so you're going to start to see some stuff around that. Um, I think that, that how policies are shaped and discussed and passed the legislature will be kind of defined by these, these personal personnel dynamics that, that are going to be pretty sharp at the legislature this year. And so if the 2023 legislative session was intense at the Capitol, I think the 24 one is already setting up to be maybe even more intense. Well, I remember you sitting here being like, I've never seen it like this. Are you ready for January? No. <laughs> no, not yet. No, okay. Patty, what is out there that we're not thinking of? Well, it's like the old adage, you don't want to see sausage being made, much uh -oh. less legislation. We are going to see everything dumped into the legislature. I don't think it's just going to be, it'll be what comes off the progressives and Republicans, conservatives who want to fight against it. We'll see more issues about transgender. We're seeing more challenges to what people can and can't sell and who they can and can't sell to. I mean, we just had a, uh, we have an argument in Jeffco over does a 11-year-old have to share a bed or a room with another 11-year-old with the physical gender, gender she was born with. You know, you've got these coming up. These are not going to stop because people have discovered they make a lot of hay or a lot of sausage when they start talking about them. Hmm. Okay. Well, don't you wonder what the, with the over, what I think of as excess or overreach, when the left goes too far, even I've got friends that are, a lot of friends that are Democrats, including a lot of moderate friends, who are saying, I really don't want my 11-year-old girl to spend the night in bed with an 11-year-old boy. Even if he identifies as a girl, he's still a boy. Um, I, I don't want sexually explicit books at my, you know, at my at my elementary school. Yeah, they should be available at the regular library, but why are they there? Um, I, I don't want to see this the the, the anti-Semitism that comes out of this. You know, we're going to declare a whole group uh, an oppressor class, and then we're going to uh, go after them rhetorically at the university. A lot of people that are in the model that are moderate that are in the middle are saying I, this is kind of gross. But there there could be a sea change. There could be a point where people want something new. If we have a reasonable. Uh, a presidential candidate, if we're able to put up some 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 good folks on the right that say, hey, you know, like a, like like Heard, for example, going up against Bobert, um, who say, you know, let's go back to normal. Let's go back to, you know, when we didn't need to push a sexual agenda on young kids. Let's go back to normal when um, people just worked and played and 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 hung out together, and there wasn't all of this constant controversy. I think the appetite for outrage eventually gets sated. And eventually people say, you know, I just don't want to go back to normal. Normal would be good in 24. Eric, what is out there that you think? Normal might... would be wonderful in yeah, 24. Would you be happy to write about normal? I would love to write about normal. I mean, to following on Krista, we're living in a scary and disturbing time. And in, in so many respects, I'll just tick off a few that could be out there in 24. One that you can bank on is a presidential race, unlike any other presidential mm -hmm. race. When can you recall... Uh, 
major party candidate who happens to be a former president, maybe a future president, Lord forbid, um, who is going to spend as much time in criminal courtrooms as he's going to spend on the campaign trail and everything that flows from that, not mentioning his perhaps possible likely opponent being you know, well into his 80s at this point and everything that is attached to that. Quickly tick off two others. What if Ruby Dixon, state representative who recently resigned her seat just because of the incredible vitriol in politics right now, what if there's another Ruby Dixon or two out there who just sort of say, this is not worth the price? And third, what if Maybe Dick Monford wakes up one morning and smells the coffee and says, maybe I shouldn't be owning this baseball team after all. Well, let me just go back to what is normal, and that's one of the things we have to think about. Is normal 1960 when it was very rare for women to be in the legislature, much less run it, be on city council, much less the majority? So we have to decide at what point, and we do, well, the pendulum always swings. So we have to be prepared for that. But let's let's all pick what is normal. Well, point well taken, Patty. So no one said what's out there for the new year. What about the Nuggets repeating? No one said that. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. All right. <laughs> now it's time for our panel to share what has been a high and a low. Usually we say for the week. I'm saying for the whole year. Let's say what will we say good riddance to in 2023? Start with you, Patty. I am saying good riddance to the last Denver Public School Board. We have three new people in, people are changing how they behave, but the antics of the school board in 2023 when issues were, I mean, school safety, didn't really deal with it. How about teaching the kids too? So let's have the school board act like adults and get on with actually educating children in Denver. I'm saying good riddance to sanity. Why not just toss the whole thing overboard? I was thinking, I, this week I got censured for upholding the Constitution by my own party. Um, I, I just think, uh, you know, why, why hold back? Let's get rid of the last vestiges of what kept us sane and normal this year. Let's go full on in 2024. I'm really hoping good things for you in the new year, Krista. I'm going to get a new dog. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Okay. I'm a little bit worried about my friend here. But <laughs> Um, I would love to say good riddance, but unfortunately I'm not sure we'll be able to say good riddance to everything that unfolded after October 7th. And I'm not talking simply about the horror in Israel and the horror in Gaza as well, although that is certainly horrific, but everything that it led to in this country and in other countries as well in terms of the reappearance in a major form of anti-Semitism, and the way everyone has just run to their corners like has become our political habit these days when everything goes on. Uh, and the, the manner in which people have run to their corners in favor of a, a very unworthy hero in Hamas is shocking. Jesse. Obviously, there's been a lot of awful things that have happened in 2024, but I'd say good riddance to nothing. I think you have to kind of know where you're coming from in order to move forward, and, and that's maybe more of a personal mantra than anything. But if we try and forget the things that troubled us in the last year, it's impossible for us to move forward and fix things and go, going forward. Very wise. Thank you. Okay, so as we go into 2024, give me a word. Give me a word of the year. You know how every year they always have the words that popped up in the year? What's a word that you can guess will be 
relevant in 2024? Well, I've done variations on this, and I would hope I wasn't still doing them, but trumped. It is impossible to imagine, the think about the kind of effect he has had on this country and will continue to have on this country and on our elections and on the divisiveness. And I just worry that no matter how much people unlike Krista, are going for sanity, we are going to be stuck getting trumped at every turn by just his effect. You can't say sanity. Okay, I, word. I know. I sound like I'm going to, like, I've got, like, a split personality. I'm going to go with hope. Like it. Okay, and I'm going to go with that because I'm looking around this room, and y'all can't see the folks in black, but there are wonderful people in this room, wonderful people on this panel. All of us are very different politically, and yet we, I think we actually represent real America, um, as much as I like to make fun of the outrage mongers, this is real life. This is real people, people around this room that do the good work here. Um, and and so I, I do have hope. I know I sound like I don't have hope most of the time, but I do. Good. Okay. My word is wild card. I think that's one word, but if not, spot me. I just think anyone who expects 2024 to unfold in a straight line and unfold in a predictable way is in for a rude awakening. Uh, even if we end up with Trump and Biden, and let's hope that maybe there's some wild cards between now and then, but the road from getting from here to there is gonna be a very jagged, crooked road with plenty of unexpected plot twists and turns. Wild card. All right, Jesse, your word. Maybe building off the wild card idea, yeah, election, right? I mean, it colors everything that I cover at the Capitol to policy debates in Congress. Um, and important to keep in mind that even though things might look a certain way now, they can change from uh, change in one week or one month. So we don't really know what's going to happen in the next 11 months. And I think that's important to keep in mind as we head into the election year. And I'm going to play off a lot of what you guys have said today. My word is listen. We gotta listen to one another. We should start listening to one another if we're not already. Um, and what, my hope say? for the new listen. Oh, <laughs> and I fell for it. Okay. So my hope for the new year is that you, we started off with you liking sparkling cider. We'll just oh, pretend well, it's champagne. Yes. Oh, oh, thank you. Yes. Hey, why so, can't we drink on the set? I don't. I don't know. But here's to you guys, and like you say, for hope in the new year. Thank you. And all that, all, everything. Good is headed our way, yes. despite the wild cardness and all that. Cheers. 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 And here is to all of our viewers out there and listeners on our podcast. Thank you for joining us this year. Happy New Year, everybody. Here's to 2024. We'll see you next year.